I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Tim Kosiba, who is a former Deputy Commander at the National Security Agency. Tim is CEO of Bracket F, a wholly owned subsidiary of cloud security firm Redacted. So Tim, for starters, in light of the Ukraine-Russia war, what are the biggest cyber threats that you think hospitals and healthcare organizations in the U.S. need to be better prepared to deal with potentially, and why? The sanctions that we have actually imposed on Russia today, in addition to other sanctions by other countries, are really starting to impact the Russian government, certainly the finance sector, as well as some of the energy markets. So we've seen these impacts recently with wiper attacks that Russia has promulgated elsewhere. Certainly the solar winds attack from last year and the colonial pipeline attack from last year. And so Russia now is clearly looking for some sort of assistance with their ground offensive through mercenaries or even China assistance, which is widely reported in the press due to the impact of the Russian forces on the ground. So it would clearly be a prudent assumption that Russia could resort to some sort of cyber attack on the Western world to include the U.S. and Europe, given our backing of sanctions and military assistance provided to Ukraine recently. One concern in particular, as was widely published, is the Conti ransomware group, which the leaks, the chat leaks have shown are very pro-Kremlin. And so based on past history, the Conti targets target healthcare organizations as they recently attacked, as you likely know, the Irish National Health System. And that was reported by the AHA recently. So it is definitely a time to maintain your resilience. Certainly hospitals and healthcare organizations are targets because of often lacking in cybersecurity protocols, which is why there's a lot of help out there being offered by the government. And so we absolutely have to remain vigilant and resilient and use all the information resources available to us in the public and the private sector that is often shared by the public sector and utilize that to maintain that level of resilience. So Tim, smaller healthcare entities such as doctor practices and rural hospitals are often especially unprepared to deal with many of the cyber threats we've been seeing, including ransomware. Any advice for how these entities can be doing a better job in terms of being well-positioned from a cyber standpoint right now? There's so much that they're dealing with. They are. And clearly in these environments, it's about the patient experience. And we know that these are tough business decisions on behalf of especially small medical practices or doctor's offices to make choices on bolstering their cybersecurity awareness. So I would certainly look for organizations like ours, and if not ours, organizations that can assist them in learning the information that's out there, the threats that are we are facing in the near, the near time, and make sure that they are prepared for anything that's possible. Ransomware is still having a wide impact in our country, and these small medical practices are definitely targets. It is certainly the desire of these ransomware groups to disrupt that experience that we have often with our doctors, but also in our daily lives and always our daily lives to include just our ability to get gas and things like that. So that's why there's a lot of information out there to make sure that we're doing everything we can to remain as vigilant and resilient as we can to combat these attacks. 
So Tim, the recently passed $1.5 trillion omnibus spending bill contains a provision that had been part of a standalone strengthening American Cybersecurity Act that was passed by the Senate. The provision signed into law is a 72-hour mandate for critical infrastructure owners and operators to report major cyber incidents to the DHS CISA agency and also to report any ransomware payments to CISA within 24 hours. First off, how realistic do you think these 72-hour and 24-hour reporting mandates are? And what is the potential impact on healthcare sector entities? Obviously, that's big legislation, groundbreaking legislation recently passed by Congress. If you look at the need for these mandates, our government is emphasizing the need to report such instances to organizations like CISA, the FBI, et cetera, to assist and ensure the problem does not get worse. So if you're actually hit by a ransomware attack, it is strongly encouraged and, and now will ultimately be law that you, re, you report that attack. The ability of critical infrastructure owners to include healthcare organizations does not need to get worse from one initial attack. The ability of critical infrastructure owners is going to be challenging to meet these mandates, and that's understandable. But hence the need for the partnership with the private side organizations like ourselves and others that want to help small to medium-sized organizations meet these mandates. The owners need to take seriously the threat that exists today and prepare their organizations by taking necessary steps to mitigate the possibilities of an attack. Uh, these include cybersecurity program development, multi-factor authentication, endpoint detection and response efforts, incident response planning, so you're prepared for such an attack. And I know many of those terms are new to a lot of folks, especially in small to medium practices, like you mentioned, Marianne, and it's going to be a challenge. But the government wants to work with private entities that are going to assist. It is not the government's job to essentially assist in, in the private space. But we are being empowered to work together through these public-private partnership mandates, and those are going to get bolstered through the legislation, and it will evolve over time. It is evolving space. But we are seeing cybersecurity directives that are shared by the government, by CISA, by the FBI, that help us understand the threats and the landscape of those threats that we need to focus our efforts on. And so leveraging that information is, is incredibly important. Any tips for organizations so that they're able to meet these fast reporting mandates? Is there something that they should be doing in order to be prepared in advance in case they have to report something like this really fast to the government? A couple of things. One, what you really want to do is do the work now so you don't have anything to report, right? The attack itself is going to trigger that mandate, obviously. But if you can do a lot of work up front to avoid the attack, that goes a long way in certainly helping that. The other thing I would say, and this is often talked about in testimony on the Hill, certainly by our leadership and government today, is develop that relationship with your local law enforcement, but also with the FBI and CISA, read the information that's out there on how to actually do that, become familiar with the process, and empower someone in your organization to maintain that relationship. You generally have a relationship with your bank, for instance, right? So if your credit card is stolen, you know who to call, you know what number to call. I would say it's very similar to that. 
maintain a set of numbers that you would call if in fact you think you've been the victim or know you're a victim of a ransomware attack and report it and start by learning the information on how to do that now before it happens, be prepared, just like you would have any other preparation for an emergency event that might happen in your house or something along those lines. Very similar. People are there to help you and there are companies that want to help. Certainly developing that relationship is super important now. Tim, I understand that Redacted and Bracket F has a partnership with the American Hospital Association related to incident response. What's that partnership about and what types of hospitals might benefit from it potentially? Yeah, so Redacted is one of eight preferred cybersecurity providers today. We have a stated focus that we want to assist small to medium-sized businesses and healthcare institutions that are not able to help themselves whether through resources or funding or people, talent, things like that. So the U.S. government cannot see any private sector attacks, which is why what we just talked about from the reporting perspective, that becomes really important for a government to understand the scope of an attack and where it might be occurring through those reporting mechanisms. The need to share that attacking information, the the threat intelligence has never been greater. So hospitals and healthcare institutions are clearly vulnerable. We talked about that because obviously there are many systems in small practices or even hospitals today that have not been updated. It has not been a priority over time to use the most advanced software that's out there that had security built into it. And so knowing that, they need to understand that that threat landscape on an hourly or daily basis to ensure that their assets are protected. Uh, The space is growing, and we're certainly excited in our company to bring a nation-state defense, the personnel that we have in our company that did this on the government side, and bring those skill sets to the industry that has done so much to protect the citizens of this country, certainly through the pandemic in the last couple of years. These are heroes, people that work in the healthcare industry, and we have a fond desire to sort of help those that are out there that really can't acquire that type of talent to maintain the level of defense that's required today. And finally, Tim, any predictions for what else you think the healthcare sector needs to be ready to deal with from a cyber threat perspective this year? So we're watching all the threat intelligence on a regular basis, daily, sometimes hourly, on what we learn and what is shared. That, as I mentioned, is just critically important. Coming from that side of the house, we know how to acquire that information and get that information and digest it and share it and work with our customers to ensure that they're prepared. Uh, It's anyone's guess as to what the next steps are, certainly by Russia and what they may choose to do. There's a lot of saber rattling out there going on uh, with respect to the ground offensive. But cyber is a threat landscape. It is an area in which uh, it could be contested, as we like to say, and they will use it to disrupt our way of life. And we rely on cyber means in this country to go about our daily business. And certainly the healthcare institutions and industry out there is relying on it and, and maintains a significant amount of intellectual property rights things that are very valuable to those outside this country. And so it's very important that we recognize how important that is to our adversaries and how they would want to get their hands on that type of material. And so we need to uh, definitely 
do everything we can. And, and if you're not familiar on what to do, I think the important thing is to reach out to someone that does and ask those questions, participate in things like the information sharing and analysis centers. And then certainly there's a healthcare one that's established today where a lot of that information comes out of the HISAC and they do a great job of sharing information and talking about this and and work with those elements that that can make you smarter about what the threat landscape is. Clearly, we're, we're at very tenuous times because we just don't know what those next steps are, but we know what the possibilities are, and which is why we're out there talking about it today. We'll see where it goes. Thanks very much, Tim. I've been speaking to Tim Kasiba. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.